a special edition of the John Q Podcast. This is Ask John Q. And now, your host, the one, the only, the one and advocate, John Q! Wow. Overwhelmed as usual. <laughs> hey, everybody. JQ, the 1A Advocate here, with a special Christmas 2022 to differentiate from our holiday 2022 edition of Ash John Q. How's everybody doing? Um, this is that time, the last two episodes of the year, Christmas and New Year's. Um, we're going on a new press, a new tradition here. You know, we did it last year. We're going to do it again. It's going to be some pre-recorded stuff. I haven't decided what the season finale is going to be, so I'm not going to plug anything right here or give any hints because I don't know what it's going to be. But um, this episode is uh, slated to drop just a couple days before uh, Christmas, and I decided to once again dive deep into the uh, the mailbag, as it were. And pull out some questions, not really holiday related, although I think there is kind of, no, not really. Um, just, uh, this is the time when I, I, like I said, I dive deep into the mailbag and, and take a look at what people want to know about me. Um, I, I don't really give a whole lot about myself um, on a personal level, although my thoughts and opinions are mine. Um, but from day one, episode one, season one of the JQP, I made it explicitly clear that, um, John Q is a pseudonym, uh, um, what's the pseudonym? Yeah. Um, it's my alter ego, my other identity, um, because I don't want to be canceled. I don't want a employer or potential employer or, um, anybody that, that knows, that can get to me in real life and possibly uh, try to cancel me um, to, to know. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's, you know, like, you know, Bruce Wayne doesn't want anybody to know he's Batman. It's kind of the same thing. Um, I can be more free and, and able to discuss more um, when I'm John Q. And uh, a lot of people have taken to it. I mean, I, I do get a, a decent uh, selection of emails and direct messages to go through. Um, and and our demographics, um, I mean, it it's just amazes me from practically every continent. Um, it might be two people, it might be 200, but from every almost every continent, um, dozens and dozens of, of nations represented that have decided to join this move, movement for free speech and open debate in this era of cancel culture um, because it's what people want again. You know, we want to be able to say things and, you know, not be so politically fucking correct anymore. And I don't see why we need to be. I mean, there's never, you know, all of a sudden people became soft, you know, and that's kind of forced me to become John Q. And, um, you know, there, there's pro- probably so much more that I can do with this this outlet, this medium, if you will, this platform um, under my own true identity, my secret identity. Um, but I choose not to because a lot of this, it's, it's not just for me to get out um, my take or what I think is the everyday John and Jane take 
on uh, the news of the day from politics and sports and education and health and science, technology, whatever. Um, but it, it's also an outlet for me personally, stuff that I can't necessarily say in public, you know, for, like I said, I don't want to offend anybody, you know, because not all my friends think the same way I do and nor should they. But I don't want to lose friends or alienate family members because of, um, you know, my opinions. And do I hold my opinions back? Not necessarily, but do I temper them? Absolutely. So Ask John Q is, it's it, you know, honestly, it's a way for me to take a week off. Um, usually I only do these things around a holiday or a vacation because I can pre-record them, um, you know, a week. So usually a week in advance, sometimes two. And, uh, and and just let it all hang out. So how can you get involved in this uh, exercise of free speech the same way that you can normally? And that's through our social media platforms, Facebook, Truth Social, Instagram, and Twitter, all the same handle, at The John Q Podcast. You can send me an email to thejohnqpodcast at gmail.com or the JQP hotline where you can drop a, a text message or a voicemail. Uh, voicemails will be played um, on a future episode, just saying. And that's uh, 347-284-1963. Um, I love Christmas. I don't know about you. I love the holidays in general. Um, I'm actually, I've been doing a lot of research on Kwanzaa because I'm interested in it. Um, but that's going to be for another time. Um, my my ideas and, and uh, my appreciation for uh, for this um, holiday and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do some stuff because, you know, something, it's not just about what I think. It's not just about what like-minded people think. It's about everybody. And, you know, a lot of people in the United States especially celebrate Kwanzaa. So, you know, the JQP is open to that. There's no way. I mean, you got to. Everything's fair. You know, and that's probably part of the problem and why I'm so against this assault on free speech and cancel culture and what have you is because, you know, a lot of people and this, these are the extremes, the extreme left, the extreme, extreme right will tell you if you don't believe and think the same way they do, then you're wrong. And I don't think that's the case. I think there's plenty of room for all of us under this giant tent, if you will, that is free speech and open debate. So anyway, I digress. Let's get right into it. Um, I picked this question, first one out of the gate, uh, because it touches uh, an, an area for me that I am uh, very passionate about and holds a lot of memories. So here you go. Freddie, Bergen County, New Jersey writes, Dear John Q, I'm a paramedic in New York for 13 years and still volunteer for my local squad in New Jersey. I'm noticing more and more that the EMS landscape is changing and not for the better. Morale is down. Pay is down for EMS jobs, and there's just not the commitment there was when I started in the late 90s. What's your take? Uh, Freddie, thank you for your service, my brother. Um, it, it's hard to be a paramedic and then ride a BLS squad. Um, I, I know the way New Jersey runs, um, and to be on the local volunteer squad, you're an EMT. You know, and for those of you that don't know, an EMT is like a step below a paramedic. Paramedic is a lot higher. It's what's known as advanced life support. Um, they do things like IVs and intubation and uh, push medications and stuff like that, whereas an EMT is basic life support. Uh, a lot of basic first aid, lifting and carrying, um, you know, some medications, actually a lot more than, than when I started now. Um, but anyway... 
I do agree that morale is down. And it's not just because of COVID. I think it started well before that. And a lot of it has to do with the drop in volunteerism. Uh, there's not as many volunteers as there used to be. And that's affecting everything. You know, it affects the way uh, service is provided in, in towns across the country. You know, some areas are better than others, but I know in the Northeast, you're seeing a lot of, more and more where towns, especially if they have a paid fire department, are starting to run ambulances on their own, um, or they're starting an EMS agency, or they're going to a local hospital or to another town to supply um, an ambulance. Um because the, the volunteer system is is getting more and more difficult. EMTs and, and medics, people in the EMS world, are expected to do and know a lot more than they ever did before. And that's as a result of things like 9-11, things like Ebola, H1N1, uh, COVID, especially COVID. COVID was a kick in the nuts for EMS. And I heard so many people that were like, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm sorry, it's exactly what you fucking signed up for. Okay, um, I, I was reading stories constantly, and and uh, from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, um, Connecticut, um, up and down the East Coast, actually places that used uh, volunteer EMS, where some of the squads were saying that we don't feel safe. Um, we we got our town to go with a you know a, a third party to supply an ambulance, and when COVID's over, we'll come back. You're not doing your fucking job, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, this is terrible. It was it was a groundbreaking historical event that in some ways we're still living through. Um, but this is exactly what you signed up for. It's not all about, you know, the, the, the glory jobs and, and uh, you know, uh, bad car accidents and, and uh, CPR calls and what have you. This is it. And, and granted, there wasn't a whole lot for EMTs or even medics to do at the onset of COVID. We were a ride to the hospital where, you know, unfortunately, most people died, you know, that we wound up we wound up taking. And, and that was that was sad. And, and that, I think, is the problem that really was the kick in the nuts because there wasn't anything that we could do. You know, I remember 9-11 and um, going into the city and thinking to myself, what exactly are we going to be doing here? And realizing very quickly, there was nothing to do. You know, people weren't getting off boats and trains coming, um, you know, uh, into uh, areas outside New York City. And um, it, it just wasn't happening. And with COVID, a lot of it was the same, except it was amplified. It was, it was, you know, you were seeing potentially, depending on where you were, you know, hundreds of people in a week. And that's a lot to take on. Um, I, for one, after a 20-plus a year in EMS, decided that COVID was the backbreaker. And not because it was COVID, just because I felt like my duty was done and and I, I repaid my my tab in full and then some. Um, but I, I also noticed this change in the landscape and unfortunately a lot of it has to do, um, at least in my opinion, is the way that, especially in the volunteer world, and I saw this quite a bit, um, you had people who were so stuck in the way things used to be and didn't want to advance their departments and advance the industry. They just wanted to keep the status quo and they wonder why they can't keep volunteers. 
okay? Or they ask way too much of people. Like there, I, I know I have friends that that uh, rode for for volunteer uh, first aid squads, and they were like, "Well, you got to do two twelve-hour shifts a week, and then every other or every third Saturday or Sunday, and whatever." And it's just like it's like a fucking full-time job, and that's not what you know. When people want to volunteer for their community, that's not what they want to do. You know, maybe you do one night on a duty crew or something, but you know. You don't want to want to do a twelve-hour shift, and I mean, you're not getting paid for this, you know. And th- I mean, th- there's no major difference between a volunteer and a paid squad, except one that gets a paycheck. Okay, but you had these old guard people that didn't want to change anything, you know. They didn't want to bend with the times at all, and advance not not just the industry itself, but their own agencies. And what then what made it even worse, at least in my case, was that, you know, I had spent a considerable amount of my time during my career, not just learning about the industry where it was and affected me directly, but I wanted to learn about EMS, how it was done elsewhere too, you know, in various parts of the country and around the world and be able to implement different things and do things a different way. And look not just for the stereotypical EMT or medic, but someone that was able to think outside the box and think for themselves and think quickly on the go and not just rely on repetition. And there were people like, you know, administrators um, in healthcare systems and um, people that were referred to as trustees in uh, in in other areas that quite honestly didn't have the knowledge that I had and that I think I still maintain and they were like well you know we're just not going to do it that way that doesn't work and blah 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 how the fuck do you know and it brought my my morale way to hell down you know as far as the pay there's not a whole lot you can do about that I mean a lot of that is dictated by h- how you bring in revenue you know, um, I know a lot of places now will bill health insurance and unfortunately health insurance pays shit. Medicare pays even less shit. And if you have a Medicaid patient in your individual area, that's like next to nothing. So there's only so much money that's out there and you got to pay for ambulances and supplies and maintenance and everything else. So, you know, you do what you got to do. It's unfortunate, though, because in some areas, the systems are so busy and so overloaded, you got to wonder where all the fucking money goes. And then you realize that you're in poor areas, that there's not a lot of health care going on. You know, so you may be getting pennies on the dollar through like charity care or or Medicaid or something. You know, Um, I I personally think that EMS providers should be on par with um, firefighters that are that are career firefighters and police officers. You know, quite honestly, we do a hell of a lot more than fire departments do. I mean, you look at just about anywhere, okay, and it doesn't matter how big or how small, the, the ratio is about the same. Usually, it's three to one. To every three EMS jobs, you'll get one fire job. And I mean, and, and if you want to just, and that's just when they roll out the door, smells and bells and all, but an actual real working fire, that's even less, Okay, and that goes for New York City or Los Angeles, you know, or Ottumwa, Iowa, anywhere. That is usually the ratio. Far more people need an ambulance than they do a fire truck. Um, so, I mean, what do we do? You know, I mean, unfortunately, um, there there's no real national uh, movement 
to improve, um, except for something like the National Association of EMTs and the EMS Educators Association and, and those types of groups that are, are trying to advance the industry, but it's so slow. And a lot of it just has to do with a lot of people don't want to hop on board. And unfortunately, because there's so much tradition embedded that a lot of this new blood that's coming in is just being taught the old ways and are afraid of being the train to run these people off the track. And that's really what they need to do. Because you know something, it's not going to end with COVID. It doesn't end with 9-11. There's going to be things like this, maybe not on necessarily a grand scale, but there's going to be things like this again. You know, I mean, for years we dodged bullets in EMS because we had Ebola, we had H1N1, you know, we had local outbreaks of, of you know, various uh, uh, diseases, but we never saw anything on the scale of, of COVID and it was bound to happen. But there were too many people that were like, nah, fuck it, Ebola, they sounded the alarms, we brought all this gear and we didn't use it. Now it comes to COVID, and and I, I remember the agency I was working with at the time. I mean, we were begging for stuff like masks and and face shields and what have you. I mean, little did we know that you know the the real bad part of COVID was going to hit hard, heavy, and fast, and then eventually it it kind of fizzled out, became turned into Omicron, and you know the vaccines started, and you know regardless of where you are on vaccines, it's just you know. I think it helped. That's just my opinion. So, Freddie, I hope that worked for you, my brother. Uh, stay the course, though. You know, we need people um, to to protect the public um, in, in the healthcare continuum. So, um, you know, stay the course as best as you can. Keep your morale up, my brother. Uh, next, uh, Ian, Columbia, South Carolina, chimed in on a DM on the Twitter Hey, John Q, with the midterms over, what's your thoughts on the 24 general? I really like Tim Scott. I think he's great. I like Tim Scott, too. I just don't think he's ready for the big chair. Um, I, I I can see him eight years from now, depending on who wins in 24. Um, I, if Donald Trump runs and wins then we're looking eight years from now, Tim Scott will be 100% ready if he can hold out that long. Um, I do also see him as a potential VP for Trump. Um, If DeSantis gets in, then we're talking a little later down the line, but also Tim Scott would make a great VP. But he would have to be a VP that actually did shit and not like crazy Kamala. Um, On the Democratic side, they just don't have a bench. You know, I mean, the the Republicans are pretty deep. I mean, besides Trump and DeSantis, I mean, you, you got, um, can Greg Abbott make a run? Possibly. Um, but who knows? Um, I think uh, Nikki Haley is, is a possibility. I'm not sure if she's um, in for the big chair, but definitely a VP. Um, Christy Nome. Definitely. Ted Cruz, definitely. Um, You know, but I think, and I've said this before, I think the Republican Party needs to get their shit together and not have 18 people up there on the dais and fighting for that one nomination. I think there's got to be a consensus among the Republicans that are going to say, we're going to go forward again with Trump and and try to make it right for what got fucked up in 20. you know, or we're going to move ahead and Trump will step aside and DeSantis will take the reins. 
Um, I mean, there's so many different possibilities. When you look at the Democratic side of the ticket, who do they got? I mean, Joe Biden is too fucking old. He's too fucking dumb. He's too fucking dull. And he's just a bad president. He will go down in history as probably the worst president in American history. Uh, definitely the worst one in the post, we'll say the post-Kennedy years. Um, Kamala, she can't win. I mean, the woman barely, her approval rating barely stays above like 34, 35%. That's not getting you a nomination, let alone winning a general. Uh, Buttigieg, useless as the day is long in uh, his current position in the cabinet. And he's just not any good as a politician, to be honest with you. Um, will his personal life play into it? Not necessarily his orientation, but the fact that, you know, he took two months off um, when he got, when right at the start of the Biden administration, and he's still been absent on things like the supply chain problems. We still have supply chain issues. What has he done? Not a whole lot. Um, there's the guy out in, what is it, Mich Michigan? No, Michigan is Whitmer. Um I can't remember, but Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams is the only professional politician I've ever seen that never won an election. Um, again, useless as the day is long. You want to put a good ticket together that will assure a Republican White House in 24? Why don't you have Beto and, and uh, Stacey Abrams run together? Um so I don't know. It's it's the next six months I think are going to be relatively quiet. So far, there's only one out there, and that's Trump. And he's going to keep talking and talking and talking until more people get into it. And then the way Trump is, he's going to knock everybody because he wants the job. So this is why I think that they have to they have to get together. Unless someone comes out of the woodwork. I mean, truly, truly, truly comes out of the woodwork for the Democrats. I don't see how anyone, okay, defeats any Republican in 24. I just, I just don't see it. They don't, they don't have the bench and the current occupant is a fucking moron. I mean, who are they going to put up there? Fetterman? I mean, come on. Stroke aside, I don't think the man can put together a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. Thanks a lot, Ian. Have a good holiday, my brother. Uh, John Q, as a lifelong moderate Democrat, I'm embarrassed by the current administration. Ooh, look at that. Um, the amazing thing to me is that many of my friends still can't see the mess that President Biden has made and think that everything from the economy to Ukraine is Trump's fault. I can't help think that we can... I can't help think that we can get back to the greatness of JFK. What do you think? And that's Alicia, Dallas, Texas. Um... <sighs> different times. Let's just start with that off the bat. I don't think the Democratic Party will ever get back to the JFK years because we don't have a JFK to uh, handle that. Okay, there's nobody. The closest thing would have been JFK Jr. had he not, you know, died prematurely. If he had gotten into politics, he had his father's charisma, his father's looks. If he had gotten into politics, yeah, I think he'd be, at the very least, he'd be a senator by now, if not um, at a run for the presidency, um, because I think he would have been that popular. Um, 
my 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 problem and and I agree with you on this is that so many people are just they're not out to do anything but blame Trump because they think the more they blame Trump the more people will not support him but it's been the Biden administration the Democratic Party in general okay the media that keeps force feeding the American public this narrative that all the problems lie with the four years under Donald Trump and it's just not true, okay? The economy was a hell of a lot better. Inflation was below, you know, at or around 2% for, you know, up up until the pandemic. And um, unempl- uh, em- uh, the employment, not just the number of unemployed, the unemployment rate was very low, but the um, people involved in the workforce was extremely high, now, Biden and his administration seem to think that, you know, they're getting, <clears throat> you know, unemployment numbers back down, but it's really not that they're creating jobs. We're just filling jobs that were there pre-COVID and disappeared for a while, and now we're back. But you can look on anything from Glassdoor to in- Indeed to Monster to whatever. The job listings are still kind of there, but they're not as prevalent as they were even six months ago because a lot of businesses are expecting a recession, which personally I think we're already in, but that's something different. So how can any of this be Trump's fault? Forget Ukraine. Ukraine's not even close to Trump's fault. And I think Donald, I don't think he's just blowing smoke. I think he's 100% right that if he had won the election and was sitting in the White House for a second term, Ukraine does not happen. Okay, I don't think Putin would have pulled that shit because Trump was too unpredictable. Biden is absurdly predictable. He's not doing anything that would have deterred Russia from invading Ukraine or quite honestly, somewhere down the road, China from invading Taiwan. All he's doing is giving money and weapon systems and even not what, you know, is nearly enough for them to defend themselves. So he's taking our tax dollars that we work our asses off and pay the government so instead of using them here where they could actually do us good in real time, we send them to these other world, these other nations. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, but definitely not on the scale that, that he's doing it. I mean, he's, this man just, somebody gave him a blank check and he just keeps ripping them off out of the checkbook for everything, for his stupid green policies and, and student debt relief and giving money to, to countries that quite necessarily... Everybody else should be pitching in too, too. It shouldn't just be us. Um, you know, there, it's unfortunate, Alicia, that your your fellow Democrats, I'm guessing they're more progressive than you are, um, can't get on board, okay, and, and see the truth for what it is. Because it's the numbers are there. The, the facts are there. It's not opinion anymore. The facts are there, you know. And, and people, it, this was an election where people voted against someone and not for someone. It could have been, you could have put Tickle Me Elmo in the Democratic nomination and he would have won over Trump because people voted against Trump. So if you want to make the Democratic Party great again, okay, and, and back to that time of JFK when they actually were a lot better and a lot more responsible than they are now, then you have to get rid of Ayo Ditsy and the squad and you have to get rid of people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and bring people that are actually American patriots again because none of these people are. I don't give a fuck what anybody tells you. They are not patriots. 
They are in this for the prestige and for the money and to try to push a socialist um, progressive agenda. And that's it. And turn America into something it was never meant to be. Thank you, Alicia. Um, let's see. Got a couple more here. Uh, so I hope everyone's enjoying. You know, I got an idea. Let's check out uh, 4th and 32 and then Mind Seed. Great possibilities for Christmas gifts, folks, for those last-minute ones. Check this out. Going to take a time out now to discuss cancel culture. Some believe it exists while others deny it. Meanwhile, right here in America, we stand by and watch things being canceled for reasons that a short time ago would have been called ludicrous. In a world where nothing escapes examination, author Mark Wallowitz comes at us with 4th and 32, a PC playbook for the perfect season. In 4th and 32, now available on Amazon, Mark dons the rose-colored seek and ye shall find spectacles of cancel culture and focuses them directly on the names, mascots, and logos of all 32 NFL franchises. Not surprisingly, the glasses actually work, enabling Mark to invent and uncover the darkest fictional sins of each team and present them as potential arguments for the cancellation of all. Imaginary motives derived from cherry-picked facts rise to the standards of today's headlines to create a PC playbook that will infuriate some and entertain others. Scathing narratives in all, 4th and 32 could have front offices scrambling, cancel coaches potting their next play, and the rest of us laughing at the ridiculosity of this modern America societal phenomenon. Go out there and check it out. I highly encourage you. It's available now on Amazon in all possible formats, including hardcover, paperback, and Kindle editions. 4th and 32 by Mark Wallowitz, a good friend of the JQP. The idea of free speech is alive and well in Like That by Mindseed, now available at MindseedMusic.com and also on Spotify and Apple Music. Based north of the border in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Mindseed released their debut album Households in 2016 and earned a nomination for Best Alternative Recording at the YYC Music Festival. In 2019, they released Renovations, a follow-up EP to their debut album, and incorporated elements of alternative hip-hop and even dance music while exploring socio-political, psychological, and spiritual themes. During the COVID-19 lockdowns, Mindseed consistently wrote, recorded, and released original songs every few weeks, establishing enough material to constitute their sophomore album, Lockdown, released in 2021. Artistically, Mindseed places emphasis on a strong sense of identity that is echoed throughout their music, visual art, and marketing. Often compared to bands like System of a Down, 21 Pilots, Tool, Eminem, A Perfect Circle, and Rise Against the Machine, Mindseed is definitely launching to the stars. Check them out again at MindseedMusic.com, also available on Spotify and Apple Music. It's like that by Mindseed. Check it out now. Not say it like that. Not say it like that. 
I, I can never sing that song. <laughs> uh, yeah, 4th and 32 and Mind Seed. Um, I'm going to keep plugging them. I don't care. I like them. Um, dear John Q, back into business here. Uh, come in on an Instagram message from Marcel in Rouen, France. Am I saying that right? Rouen? Uh, what's your thoughts? You know, I never really was 100% sure about French coverage of the JQP. Well, it's nice that they're involved. Usually they don't get involved. They just run the other way. (laughs) I'm just kidding, kind of. Anyway, Marcel uh, Rouen in France writes, um, what's your thoughts on the World Cup tournament? I don't really have any. Uh, I am not a soccer fan. I've never really been a soccer fan. I mean, back in the day... Um, there were players like Pele um, and Giorgio Canalia. That's that's really throwing back time, dating myself a little bit. Um, that had the potential to bring soccer to the forefront, if you will, um, in American sports. It just didn't pan out. And you know, MLS tries. I don't think it's all that great. I'm glad Team USA actually made the World Cup. Um, I I think our women would be a lot better. If they didn't, you know, spend so much time uh, um, uh, protesting, you know, against their own country, um, just play the fucking game. God forbid we do that. I, I also have this problem with FIFA, the governing body of, of, of football. Um, I think they're corrupt. I think they're um, uh, criminal, to be honest with you. Um, maybe if they got the, they got the current regime out and completely washed it all up and threw it in the dryer and came back with something new, maybe it'd be worth it. But I mean, I can only imagine how much money sponsors are losing in Qatar or Qatar or whatever the hell it's called, you know, especially like, you know, they were told that they were going to be allowed to sell beer and then they couldn't sell beer. Budweiser must be pissed as all hell. You know, but this is also the same problem you have with a lot of these international governing bodies in sports. You know, instead of going to where the money is, they make the money come to them. I mean, yeah, I guess that would mean that almost every Olympics or, or um, World Hockey Championship or whatever would be held in North America because that's where most of the money is. You know, but you also got to look at it that, that sports are supposed to be a peaceful um, um, gathering of, of nations and, and athletes and, you know, China put their shit out there in the Olympics. It was disturbing. Um, Qatar or Qatar, whatever the fuck, um, did they really need it? I mean, did it really boost their tourism? I don't know too many people that are going to go there, to be honest with you. You know, especially you know, because it is, and, and not just because it's a Muslim country. It's just most people haven't even heard of it outside of the World Cup. Um, and and soccer players themselves just piss me off. I mean, there was there was a, a, a hockey player. I can't remember his name. It escapes me. But literally had a cardiac arrest on the bench during a game. And this is just in this recent future, in the past few years that they had to defibrillate this guy, you know, zip, you know, zap, you know, with the paddles and everything in the tunnel, going back to the locker room. He wanted back in the fucking game. You watch a soccer game and, you know, 
some guy gets tripped or, you know, gets kicked in the shin. And I'm sure it hurts, but they go down like they were fucking shot with like a 357 Magnum with Dirty Harry on the other side. I mean, cry fucking me a river. I don't get it. You know, I mean, they're, truthfully, they're just as big as pussies as football players are. I mean, yeah, football players are all big and bad and whatever. And if I offend football players or fans, fuck you, I don't care. But come on, they, they get into scrapes and scuffles every once in a while and then they throw fists while they're wearing helmets with face shields and masks on, you know. At, at least in the NHL, you, you drop the gloves and you're throwing haymakers, man, and that helmet's probably going to come off or it's going to hit you. The, the, the face shield is going to hit you, which is only a half face shield to protect your eyes, is going gonna, is gonna, to you know dig into you and that helmet's coming off one way or another and then you're going to go to the dance. The soccer players, I just don't get, man. Fucking pussies. You know, in the injury time, you know, there was a game. I, I was listening to the news one day, and they were talking about how a game had, like, 12 minutes in injury time. Get the fuck up, walk it off, slug some water, get back in the goddamn game. Holy shit. And half the time, they stand around waiting for the goddamn ball. I don't get it. So that's my thoughts on the World Cup and soccer in general. I think it sucks. I think it's a waste of time. Um, I think there's a lot more shit that I can do with that size of a space. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, You know, Marcel, I'm sorry if that offended you, but you asked me what I thought, and I'm telling you, that's what I think. Um, it just amazes me. It really does. Uh, Shelly, Dublin, Ireland is going to wrap this one up. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, John Q, I've been a long-time listener and follow you on Facebook. Besides the rants, I love the morning posts that you do. What goes into making them? And if you had to give one message for to everyone for the holidays, what would it be? Aww. Do you really give a shit what I think? Okay, you asked. I'll tell you. Um... We'll start with the morning motivations. I talked a little bit about this on a previous episode. The morning motivations are the big thing that I post on social media. I think everybody should have a thought in their head, something to think about all day, um, you know, that isn't overwhelming and maybe a little, you know, motivating thing to get them through their day. And that's why I do it. And it's done six days a week, which I'll tell you that alone sucks to try to come up with the content. Um, I have so many bookmarks on my internet browser for quotes from, from politicians to celebrities, to the founding fathers, to, you know, famous leaders in history, everything. Um, the graphics, a lot of them I make myself. Um, I have some templates from software that I use, but, um, I, I manipulate them and, and come up with something I think is going to look really cool when you see it on your iPhone or Android device, or even on just Facebook in general. Um, and, and that's what I do. That's how they come across. The only day I don't do it is on Fridays. On Fridays is Red Friday, where I remember, um, and salute all of our, um, men and women in the military that are deployed. Um, I think they deserve a day and, and red Friday has been around for, for quite some time, um, actually. And, uh, I like to keep it going. You know, I actually created my own, that graphic that I made is my own graphic, um, that shows every Friday. Um, I, I actually have gotten questioned why I don't include the space force on there. Um, because they're still in their infancy. 
you know, I think we definitely needed one, but they're still really in their infancy. Um, we're trying not to weaponize space. Um, but we're going to need something like that down the road. And, and President Trump did the right thing in instituting it. Um, but I, I that's the one day a week. And, and then I throw different messages out, you know, over the course of time, uh, holidays and what have you. I actually did one for National Cookie Day. That someone, I think it was on Truth Central, gave me shit about, Truth Social, gave me shit about. Because they're like, oh, you know, these national days are just put more more money into the pockets of uh, the uh, industrial elite. Oh, who gives a fuck? Have some fun. I happen to like cookies. I like Chips Ahoy. I like Oreos, especially Oreos. Uh, what else do I like? I like a whole bunch of cookies. Chocolate chip cookies in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be Chips Ahoy. Um, I'm waiting for, for Christmas to come because Jane's going to make a, a nice, warm, toasty batch of Toll House for me. <laughs> I love that woman. Um, you know, so that's what the morning motivation's about. And uh, it's it's something that I like to, it's it's giving a little bit of myself every day. You know, I only do the podcast once a week. I'm not going to do it more than that. Okay, so when I do the morning motivation, it's it's trying to get people to um, understand how I think. And a lot of that I do through quotes, okay, uh, because it shows what I'm thinking of at the moment, okay. Um, the past couple weeks leading up to Christmas, it's been a lot of Christmas stuff and Hanukkah stuff, and I'm going to have some Kwanzaa stuff in there um, because it's the season, you know. And um, I, I guess this lead, will lead into my message for the holidays, um, I, um, how do I put this? I, I love the holidays and I think I started out the show saying that I love Christmas, um, and this time of year in general. And then when we get to new years and, and January 1st brings a, a renewed sense of, um, life, um, to people because it's your chance to start over again. And the way I see it is that America in general the United States in general, we are still a great nation. We still are the land of the free and the home of the brave. The problem is we are right now a very dysfunctional family. And it is only my hope, and I know the hope of a lot of people, that we get back to separate but equal. Is that is that good to say? Um, to where, you know, you didn't base your relationships, your friendships, working relationships, whatever, based on somebody's political ideologies or their social ideologies. You know, you liked someone because you like them for whatever reason. You know, I have friends that are liberals and um, uh, kind of liberal anyway, and just moderate Democrats and conservative Republicans and libertarians and um, I even know a druid from back in the day. Um, and and I look at the content of someone's character more than anything else. And I may have to agree to disagree on things, but that's one of the things that makes America great. And this is where I, I, I diverge from President Trump's message. I don't think we have to make America great again. I think America is already great. We just have to bring that greatness out, take off the blinders again, not be so, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not be so sensitive about things 
and just be Americans. It brings me back to September 12th, 2001, the day after the attack on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and Flight 93 in Shanksville. And you went down your street and there were American flags everywhere. Couldn't buy an American flag because they just ran out so quickly. And I remember going into Manhattan and people standing on corners of every race and nationality and singing God Bless America and the National Anthem and everybody was American. I remember watching um, the footage from Buckingham Palace where they would normally play God Save, God Save the Queen and they played the Star Spangled Banner. You know, and, and seeing newspaper, front pages of newspapers from around the world, the entire world was an American that day. Now, I'm not saying we need to go that far. Okay. We're always going to have things that separate us, different thoughts and the way we look at the world and the way we look at topics, but that's healthy. That's a pluralistic society, which is what the United States is. We are the true melting pot where it doesn't matter where you come from, that you are endowed by your creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We need to get back to that. And once we do, that greatness, that, that superlative, that um, superiority, I'll even say, that the United States is will shine once again and be the beacon throughout the world for liberty, justice, democracy, and most importantly, unity. I hope that did it for you, Shelly. Thank you uh, from across the pond. And I think that's going to wrap it up, kids. I hope you enjoyed it. As usual, like I said, join us on social media, Truth Social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at the John Q Podcast, or email the John Q Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can drop me a text message or voicemail on the JQP hotline, which is 347-284-1963. Till next time, have a happy, safe, and healthy holiday season. Amongst all, stay safe. God bless our warriors abroad and those at home, our police officers, our EMTs, our firefighters, all those who are away from their families to protect you and yours. And God bless our American states. I am the 1A Advocate John Q, and I am out. <laughs>